and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of A Quarter Three Strands. My name is Ron Young, and uh, I am here by myself. This is not the beginning of a new season. It is a special edition. And let, let me tell you the, uh, the context of this uh, special edition. It is almost Easter, and every year our church will have an outreach event uh, to the community where we have an Easter egg hunt and it brings in lots of kids from the community. And in the context of that Easter egg hunt, uh, we share the gospel with them. They talk about who Jesus was, uh, why he came, and then why he died, and the fact that he rose again. It's a wonderful thing. It's a lot of fun, lots of candy, lots of excitement, and of course, Easter eggs. And every year we get some people who will call the church or leave emails and things complaining about the pagan practices of uh, our church. And this is something that's been, um, I've been in a debate with a Hebrew Israelite about. It's one of these things that it, it kind of drives me nuts. So at our session meeting last night, uh, Jacobswell Church, um, we had talked about, do we want to keep doing the Easter egg hunt as an outreach? Um, you know, do we have a conviction against it? Those types of things. And it was asked, well, why don't I do a special episode of Palatine Institute? Because in, in all honesty, um, our institute would like to advance Christian culture. And so the celebration of Easter is a part of that Christian culture. And how we practice that, uh, I think, matters. And so I'm going to start off with this, okay? An Easter egg hunt is not commanded in Scripture. You do not have to do Easter egg hunts. It has nothing to do, in, in a lot of ways, with the celebration of the death and resurrection of our, son Je- uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the question is, can you? I mean, is this some sort of evil practice? And, and I would say this. When we have traditions... If these traditions are pointing us away from the gospel, away from God, away from our Lord Jesus Christ, away from the thing that we're celebrating, uh, such as, I will say, Santa Claus, for instance, uh, in Christmas, I think that has has a way in which it's distracting from the celebration of Jesus' birth. And perhaps you might want to think about doing something with Santa Claus, do, do something else. Uh, we'll come to that in a different, we're actually going to have a season on um, feasts and festivals. Um, 
but I'll talk about that later. The, the question is, if, if it is detracting from it, you should probably consider not doing it. If it is pointing us to or still directing us to what we're celebrating, per, tr- directing us to Christ um, and his resurrection, for instance, then I think it's a, it's a very permissible to do. And, um, and so with the Easter egg hunt, that's kind of what the question is. Are we, is it permissible? Is it, is it a good thing? So let's, let me talk first of all about the pagan roots of Easter that keeps coming up. And I will say the so-called pagan roots. Okay. The idea is that, um, the things that we're doing Easter egg hunts, as they say, uh, comes from a celebration of a fertility god named Ishtar, and that in Ishtar's cult, uh, people would dye eggs in in blood, and then use that as part of their celebration of a spring rite at the spring equinox, which coincidentally is about is when Easter takes place, and that what we're really doing is we're worshiping Ishtar somehow by having Easter egg hunts. Well, let me start with this. The name Easter, uh, our celebration, has nothing to do with Ishtar. That, that's completely made up. There, there's no linguistic uh, connection between Ishtar and Easter. Easter actually is all throughout the world. Easter is, is uh, Pascha, which means it, which is a Latinized version of the Passover. And because, you know, Christ's death he was the Passover lamb who was slain, and then his resurrection, which happens um, after, you know, it, which saves us from death, right? It makes sense why we would call that that. But in English-speaking countries, it's been Easter, and this this is why. The Venerable Bede, uh, who wrote in the 7th century, uh, speaks about the, the, the months or the, in the Anglo-Saxon, um, uh, t- terminology they they named their months after the moon cycles like the so you had um in april we'd call it april it was uh yoster uh yoster uh monarch which means the moon of yoster now yoster spelled e o s t r e uh, was a was a goddess um it it was the the goddess of the dawn in other words, uh, Yoster not only meant the name of this particular goddess, it also meant or was associated with rising. And in April being spring in the northern hemisphere, in the northern parts of our world, um, you you see this uh, new life coming. You know, the green grass is, the snow is melted, the green grass is coming through, flowers are starting to bloom. And so, um, so they named that moon cycle uh, after this goddess, uh, which is the goddess of dawn or rising. It's like as if life is coming, it's rising out of this wintry death. Okay, makes sense? Okay, by the time you had um, Christianity coming through uh, the, the Anglo-Saxon people, um, the month that they celebrated the 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 resurrection of Jesus was in April, rising, and so they they just kept that name. Now, it has nothing to do with a goddess. It has nothing to do with pagan religion. It's simply the name of the month that Easter is most 
uh, often, you know, it, it, sometimes it's in March, but it's mainly in April. And then the other part is that's that was just the old English word that means rising. Okay. So when we celebrate Easter, it comes from the, the etymology has the idea of rising, Jesus rising from the dead. Okay. Nothing to do with Ishtar, nothing to do with a goddess of the dawn, except that it comes from her name. But of course, as the prophet Isaiah tells us, uh, a time was going to come when we would no longer remember the names of our gods, right? Which is true, right? When, you know, today that I'm recording this is Thursday. Uh, I don't think that somehow I am uh, recording this on the day of Thor, right? Because I Thor is not a god. It's just, this is just Thursday. Just just the way uh, Easter is uh, is about the the celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, so that that's the the first one. Ishtar and the and Easter have nothing to do with each other. Second, there is not a single shred of evidence or proof or anything about the dying of eggs and blood to celebrate Ishtar at all. It only comes from a book called The Two Babylons by a guy named Bishop Hislop, who wrote a, a screed um, uh, against the Catholic Church and its practices. And he makes up a ton of things in there just out of the blue, including, and he's, and it might be that he's just speculating. Well, perhaps, you know, everything that the Roman Catholic Church did in his mind must be evil. And so he's coming up with ways in which to show that what they're doing isn't truly Christianity. It's, it's really pagan. And so he makes this up whole cloth. There is no celebration of Ishtar regarding the dying of eggs in blood. And it has nothing to do with the actual practice of hiding eggs and finding them. So you, so the next question, so if Ishtar and Easter aren't, there's no association. What about the dying of Easter eggs and hiding them? Well, when the church was growing and they began to uh, use Easter Sunday as a day of baptizing new converts, um, they started, the, the early church started a time of preparation for the, um, for the catechumenates. In other words, people who were not Christian, they were, they were pagan, they came from the, they were Gentile, they, they didn't know much about God, but they, they've heard the gospel, they've, they've received Christ, they, they're going to enter into the church and be baptized. There was a period of time that they took for 40 days before Easter in which they would prepare them for their baptism, where they would fast, where they would um, pray, where they would learn the catechism, where they would be taught how to live as a Christian, and then on Easter Sunday, they would be baptized. That period of time of preparation uh, over time became ad adopted by the church as a whole. In other words, the rest of the church would enter into the same preparation as the catechumenates who were going to be baptized on Easter. This became known as Lent, this 40 days of preparation um, before um, Easter. And in the practice of Lent, uh, it was tradition, again, this is tradition, that uh, the fasting would include abstaining from meat and including eggs. All right. So very, fairly early on in church history, you had the practice of eating all the eggs, all the egg products, 
um, in your home by the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, which is called Shrove Tuesday. And so, you know, um, you know, this has morphed into some very evil, evil pagan things. By pagan, I mean just not Christian at all, like Mardi Gras, right? This idea of of um, an over exuberance of things before you have Lent. I mean, you know, before you, so if I'm going to give up meat and I'm going to give up all these eggs and I'm going to give up, you know, whatever it might be, drinking alcohol or whatever, they thought, let's just have a huge party uh, in preparation. Um, it, and it was, it's right to this day, it's just an excuse to do evil, it seems. Um, although that could be redeemed. It could be redeemed. If, if, if we decide to take a holy Lent and do those fastings and to have a little bit of celebration beforehand, I don't, that might not be a problem. But as it's practiced in our world today, it's pretty extreme. Anyway, early in the church, then on Easter Sunday, the practice would be to to take your eggs. Okay. So you have these eggs and they stay, they can stay good for only so long. And eventually you got to do something with them. You either get rid of them. Uh, one of the things you could do is you can boil them. And now you have hard boiled eggs and, uh, and they'll last a little long. So they can stay fresh for quite a while. You boil them. Now they can stay a little longer. And the practice was to give them to each other and say, he is risen, he is risen indeed, as you exchange eggs. And of course, it became you know, in preparation for Easter to, to, to paint them, to, to color them, to make them uh, pretty or even beautiful. And in certain countries, I think of like Russia and others, man, they, they go all out um, in painting their Easter eggs. So, so that's, what an e that's how Easter eggs came to be. Um, it was something to do with these eggs because your chickens are still laying during Lent <laughs> and, and you kind of save them up and then you pass them out and you color, you decorate them, uh, that type of thing. And when you exchange them, he has risen, he has risen indeed. It's a wonderful tradition, wonderful tradition. So it, sometime in the 17th century, we find in an area of Germany, um, we hear the first practice of hiding eggs um, and then children running around finding them. And get this, it had like no religious significance. It was, to, to quote um, <laughs> what I read, a um, something parents thought would be fun for the kids. Right? So this isn't this evil Ishtarian ritual of worshiping a fertility goddess from Babylon. This is something fun for the kids. And so we have all these decorated eggs. We have all these Easter eggs. Let's, let's hide them and the kids can go out and find them. And that's kind of fun. Something maybe to occupy them as we're getting ready for church. I, I don't know. That, that, was the, that was the first we ever hear about it in this one area of Germany. And then it's not that long after that the parents would spread the rumor that, yeah, all these, you know, because it's all winter long, you occasionally you see a rabbit here or there, but all of a sudden spring comes and there's all sorts of baby bunny rabbits and they're everywhere. And, and so the, the rumor is spread by the parents that um, the bunnies are hiding them, right? This is where we get the idea of an Easter bunny. They're, they're, they're there to hide the eggs. And it was just, again, a fun thing to do with kids. Do you have to do this? No. Do Christian families do this? Some do, some don't. Does it matter? Okay, this is the big point. 
it matters if Easter has become the Easter bunny and finding Easter eggs and just getting candy. If, if that's what Easter is all about, then it's wrong. If, if that part of Easter celebration is a fun thing you're doing with the kids, and within it, it's pointing to the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then it's probably a pretty good thing. So back to Jacob's Well Church. If we're hiding eggs as a fun thing to do with the kids, and in doing that, explaining to them the gospel, why Jesus came, and that he, he died for our sins, and he rose again to new life, that we can have uh, we can have our sin imputed to him and his life imputed to us and his righteousness imputed to us. How wonderful that is. By all means, we should be able to have an Easter egg hunt because it's ready, fun for the kids. This is not pagan. It, it comes out of a Christian culture who thought it would be a fun thing to do with their kids. Bam. If our church decides not to do it because it's becoming a too much of a distraction of the gospel, I think that would be, I think we would decide that in a heartbeat. It, it is not essential to our faith, Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. Is it a fun tradition? Yeah. Should we keep it up? As long as it's pointing to Jesus. Another big one that I thought, thought was really funny is um, as the peg, as people talk about the pagan roots of, of uh, uh, Christianity or something, is uh, hot cross buns. Uh, someone really got upset with hot cross buns. And hot cross buns is, is an Easter treat, and it's basically a sweet roll with a cross on it. And, um, and so part of the Ishtar cult that um, there was a uh, Tammuz, is the English name for him, um, is this, uh, this uh, god who is uh, part of the fertility cult also. And um, there's like a death and resurrection part to him as well. It's not the same. Um, basically, he dies and he's dead and in, in the underworld and uh, even as a god. And then in order to be released, someone else had to die for him so that one soul could leave, uh, the other one came. I, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a vastly different thing than than what the gospel is portraying. Anyways, um, Bishop Hislop in his Two Babylons decides that um, hot cross buns has to do with Tammuz. And again, you know, if, if Easter eggs are about, if Easter is about Ishtar, the Easter eggs are about the blood dip things to, you know, I think it was like even, I think he was saying that it was like um, sacrificed baby's blood or something like that. You dipped them in there like to make it even more sinister. And that hot cross buns also had to, to do with this, these cakes that had had the tea that represented Talmuds. Um, that's great. Now, here, here's the thing. Once again, not a shred of evidence. Um, it's just totally made up. In fact, what's, what's really interesting, if you ever were to look up this particular god, the, the Samaritans or the Sumerians, um, they, they didn't have a, a, a T. Uh, he, he would have been known as uh, Dumazid. And uh, Tammuz is a Romanized way of writing his name. In other words, uh, in, in his cults and everything, if there was going to be some sort of cake passed down and um, a, a symbol on there, it would not be a T because they did not have a T and his name did not start with a T until centuries and centuries and centuries later. In other words, folks, it's a lie. It's a lie. A hot cross bun is a sweet cake that they put a cross on there to remind us of, yes, 
the cross of Jesus Christ, and that he died on it and is now risen, and his, the cross is empty because he is risen from the dead, and we can enjoy this sweet treat um, in remembrance of uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here we go. Anytime I hear of uh, arguments about the pagan roots of Christian practices, it is very easy for me to go and find the sources. The sources will quote other sources. You go to those sources and all the sources are going to go to one of two books. It's going to go to the two Babylons uh, by Hislip, Hislip. And there's another one on uh, Egyptology uh, by a guy named Macy, uh, Massey. And both of these books were roundly criticized by virtually everyone who knew anything about the ancient world. Why? It was all made up. All made up to, uh, to kind of put uh, cast dispersion on the Catholic Church. The second thing is um, they went into obscurity because they were dumb. And, um, and it wasn't until around the turn of the century uh, that the um, Seventh-day Adventists got a hold of it. And most of the, the arguments about the pagan roots of these things have come from Seventh-day Adventist literature. And, and again, you just go back and it comes to these, these sources only. So here we go. Ready? Enjoy your Easter. Enjoy Easter ham. Enjoy hot cross buns. Enjoy Easter eggs. All these things are for the glory of God who raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead as an atonement for our sin, and his resurrection shows that it worked. Our sins are forgiven through him. And so celebrate and ignore ignore the whole pagan root thing. It's ridiculous. Okay, that concludes my special episode on Easter. I look forward to uh, talking about the feasts and practices of, of uh, Christmas and other things in a later season. Um, but for now, we'll call it uh, goodbye. Goodbye.